0: There is one critique I will have about some of the content that's in the game.
1: Actually, Freaking Furnace. Right, Kevin, let me, let me stop here because I actually really need to go to the bathroom. Can you hold that thought about Furnace Fun? Yeah. You'll probably hear the bathroom noises. You can uh, enjoy that. Ah. Maybe that'll be our intro. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: God. Bet.
0: No. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slugs. My name is
1: Peter, a.k.a. deal for real and I'm also your host.
0: So, as you guys know, as our avid followers of the IG podcast know, we rate and discuss some of our favorite video games, and we kind of like to spark conversations and fun discussions about them, and uh, get even a little bit critical about them.
1: So, uh, yeah. I was talking about podcasts with some friends of mine over the weekend, and somebody, not me, started the conversation of, what are your top three favorite podcasts? <laughs> and uh, I was pretty modest. I kept, I kept IG at number three on my list. What? I mean, you know, everything I do is for the people, and the people don't always want to hear about how I love my podcast with Kevin, but still had to educate them, you know, still had to spread the word. And actually, some of them seemed pretty down, so we might have a few new listeners from the Denver metro area which would be exciting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Cool. Well, first, let's get into our beer segment, which might be a, uh, a pretty disappointing beer segment on my end <laughs> because it's not even beer at all. Oh, I, actually, I actually don't have beer. I have Pepsi. Trying to take it easy on the beer for a while. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty good Pepsi, I got to say. Is it just normal garden variety Pepsi? Yeah, it's actually bottom of the barrel. Barrel Barrel-aged Pepsi from about a week and a half ago.
1: Mmm, enticing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny that you have this Pepsi because the beer that I have is not a particularly striking beer, I wouldn't say. Um, However, it is good. It is a Heilemann's old-style lager. Classic lager, actually. Um, Can't forget that. But uh, this is from a Wisconsin brewery, High Lemons Brewing, and uh, it's just kind of a plain-ass lager. It's actually one of my boss's favorite beers. He keeps a lot of them at work, so I managed to sneak one home, don't tell anybody. Ooh. But uh, this is my first time having it, and it's pretty good. It's just a good lager. tastes very much like wheat, if I may. Wheat. Yeah, I mean, there's. that's really all there is to it. <laughs> no story. Cool. No crazy flavor profiles. Nothing. Just good old beer. A very moderate beer segment from the the IG cast. Yeah, we're
0: losing our touch. We are. (laughs) Can I ask you a question, though? How do you feel about stouts? Have you ever...
1: Yeah, I've had a few in my day. I'm not the biggest fan of stouts, but I do... I will drink them. I won't say no to one. Right. Yeah,
0: our boy Z-Link, or Chris, has been getting me into uh, stouts lately. Um, It's grown on me. I don't think it'll ever become my top, top favorite, but I had... One this weekend, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It's pretty good, I'd say. So, l- we'll just count that as my beer the beer that I drank over the weekend.
1: So, yeah, I've actually had a stat on the show before, to be honest. You uh, have several episodes ago, so the only the most avid of fans will probably remember or fact checkers or the fact checkers. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Well,
0: Peter, I believe we have a very, very ridiculously special game. In store for our audience today.
1: Oh my lordy! Yeah, uh, as you as you sometimes phrase it, I would call this a classic of classics. This is a game that has a very, very, very special place in k Slug's heart, and also mine by extension. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to like spend a million years prefacing it. I'm just going to say this game for the N64. It's Banjo Kazooie. Uh-huh. Yeah, finally we're at this episode.
0: I I've been awaiting this episode. I have, I have, I've waited for this moment. My body is ready.
1: Kevin's been writing like Banjo Kazooie plus Case Slugs with little hearts in it in his notebook.
0: <laughs> yeah, at work I'm just like scribbling. And they're like, Kevin, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, uh, uh nothing. I was just
1: thinking about Banjo.
0: <laughs> Who the hell is Banjo? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I love this game as a kid. It's definitely one of my all time favorites. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one this is this comes from like rare's prime era of like video games, like you know where they had like banjo kazooie goldeneye donkey kong sixty four you know you name it uh, perfect dark. how could I forget oh yeah they're just they're just rolling out the big ones at during this time, so oh, I'm so excited,
1: yeah, so for a little bit of uh that classic deal for real background information. Banjo-Kazooie came out for the N64, of course, Um, developed by our good friends at Rareware, a uh, UK developer, some friends of ours from across the pond. Uh, As Kevin said, very, very well-known N64 repertoire, including GoldenEye, Donkey Kong 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie. Also games for the Super Nintendo, like uh, Donkey Kong Country, and uh, they're still around today. They're not the same company, they've kind of splintered off into different groups, but uh, back then, back in this day, they were doing it big. Uh, this game came out in 98 which is pretty cool actually that means their 20 year anniversary is coming up oh shoot because it was released in like June or July of uh, 98 so yeah banjo and kazooie about to turn 20 oof oof, oof. that makes me feel hits old. Me right in the yeah <laughs> it hits me right in the Ouch. right in the
0: free radicals well uh, as as some people might know I speed run speed ran speed Speed sped ran. Sped ran. Sped run. <laughs> I sped run this game and, uh, way back in the day when I used to stream pretty frequently on Twitch, which is how uh, Peter and I met, but the fact checkers already know this. Um, I currently rank, at the time of this recording, the 83rd fastest Banjo-Kazooie 100% speedrunner in the world. Um, you can see this at www www.speedrun.com/bk. Um, I was ranked 69th in the world at one point, but there have been like there have been like a ton of optimizations to the game since my last PB run in November of 2016. Can you believe that, Peter? That's the last time I got a PB in Banjo.
1: Damn, my last uh, THPS PB was in January of 2017, so not that far behind. Yeah. We're past our prime.
0: Don't say that. We've still got, I've still got many more hours to kill when I come back to streaming. (laughs) By the way, if you guys haven't had a chance, or if you somehow don't know about Twitch at this point, I've been wanting to say this, Twitch is such an, and you know we're a video game podcast, so Twitch is something, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you like video games, I, I hope. Or at least if you don't, that's okay too. But Twitch is a, definitely a very good place to go if you're looking for more video game content, and it has a great community where you can go and just chill with people who also love video games and love playing video games, and if you like watching playing video, people play video games, definitely a place to go. I love Twitch, um, and I plan to be back on there soon. Uh, Peter has his own Twitch stream. Uh, his username is deal underscore real, so go give him a follow there if
1: You You forgot the second underscore, buddy.
0: Oh, deal underscore four (laughs) underscore real. Four score. Yeah, that's a mouthful.
1: But yeah, anyway, enough
0: about Twitch. I just wanted to say that tidbit, but enough about that. Um, Let's,
1: you ready to get down to the breakdown, man? Yeah, well, one quick thing is that although Kevin has a million hours of experience with this game, I actually started playing it for basically the first time pretty recently, uh, specifically to talk about it on the show. Um, so I've put about six hours into the game so far, and I've uh one hundred percented three of the levels uh with some help from Kevin, but also, I spent a lot of time watching Kevin do speedruns, so I have seen the whole game many times, so a lot of a lot of what I say will not be from first person experience necessarily, but it might as well be I think
0: yeah, he one hundred percent the game spiritually with me
1: <laughs> many times more more than I can count <laughs> yeah. More Um, than any human should. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Yeah, I'm uh, ready to get into gameplay. Uh, I will... How about I start? And I I can start with kind of the broader things since I don't have as much experience, and then you can jump in and, like, fill in all the gaps. Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. So, uh, overall, Banjo-Kazooie is a 3D platforming game for anyone who might not know. Uh, You control Banjo and Kazooie, and you run around in this big world, uh, well, many worlds that are connected together in some ways, and uh, the goal is to collect a bunch of things to progress through the game, and uh, to do to do that you have to go around and uh, traverse some difficult terrain, solve a few puzzles, defeat some enemies. Uh, if you ever played Super Mario 64, it's very similar to that. Um, so that's kind of the overall look at what the game is. I feel like sometimes you and I forget to do that before we jump in, so I figured we should <laughs> kind of establish the, the context. Um, but it is a platforming game. Long story short, and I think the platforming generally feels really good, which is important since that's what you're doing the entire game. Uh, You control Banjo, and Banjo can do many different actions with the help of his bird friend Kazooie, who lives in his backpack. (laughs) Um, You can use Kazooie's wings to fly around, uh, to attack enemies. Banjo can uh, do rolls on the ground. Uh, He can... Well, I guess, actually, mostly Kazooie does most of the work, except for (laughs) your basic walking and running. Um, but the point is, there's a bunch of different things you can do with these characters. And it really adds a lot of variety to the gameplay just because you can do so many different actions with them.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree on that. Um, I think not only that, but it, they make it really fun uh, and unique, even with the movement in this game. Uh, so you've got your flutter, your talent trot, um, your rat tat rap. I know all of these sound like foreign to a bunch of different people who have never don't know what these moves are but like there's so many different moves in the name that have unique names and they do unique skills most of which like you already said uh, Kazooie performs uh, they make several references in the game saying like Kazooie does all the work and stuff like that which I find pretty funny <laughs> but you go throughout the game and you have to learn these moves from a mole named Bottles uh, you go around you collect notes and jiggies and things like that and you Go up to Bottles, and you're like, hey, Bottles, can you teach me this move? He's like, sure, man. He'll teach you a move. And then, um, yeah, you learn the move, and you use it against your enemies. You use it to get different jiggies and stuff like that. You learn uh, different moves in different levels. Um, so it's a really unique concept. Um, while it is similar to Mario six, Super Mario 64, and it is a platformer, so th- I, I think that's where the similarities basically stop and except for the fact that you have to collect things you collect things and it's on a platform after that i think i think it's a very vastly a vastly different game once you narrow it down to
1: that niche i'd be interested for us to kind of get into that idea later on um i mean not that this is a podcast about super mario 64 but i've maybe it's because i'm not as as experienced as you i'm not the expert so maybe uh Maybe that's why, to me, it seems like they are very similar, even, like, beyond just a surface level. But uh, we can get into that, I think, the more things that we talk about. Maybe those differences will become clear. Right. One thing I do want to say about all the actions, uh, although they are really fun and they add a lot of variety, uh, as a player who's somewhat new to the game, I find myself forgetting which button combinations do what. Because there are several modifier buttons that you can press, like the Z button, which uh, makes you crouch, Uh, The Z button is important to doing a lot of things. Uh, The various C buttons are also important. They'll do different things depending on uh, the other thing that you're doing when you press them. Uh, The R button can be used to give yourself finer movement when you're swimming and when you're flying. By the way, swimming has been very frustrating for me so far. Uh, Maybe that's one thing I could talk about a little bit. Um, but, But that is one... Like, one fairly minor drawback that I've noticed, and it's probably just a failure on my part, like, oh, there's too many things to do for me to keep track of in my little gorilla brain. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> I imagine that's very different for you, since, not to belabor the point, but you have a lot of experience. Um, but do you ever did you ever notice that or think about that when you were playing the game? Oh, it's actually interesting. I wrote
0: kind of something similar in my notes that kind of uh, touches on this point. So, I think... So in the last episode of THPS, we discussed how as your skill grows in the game, the more fun it kind of becomes. The more you learn what the buttons do, the more comfortable you feel with the movement, the fun, the more fun the game gets, and that just kind of exponentially goes up. Um, as, even when you get into speedrunning, you're like, okay, this is yeah, this is much more fun than when I no- would normally play the game because I could play it much faster, much better, um, and stuff like that. With Banjo, it's interesting because it has that, so as your skill gets better and you learn the moves and you get more comfortable, it has that um, skill increase where the fun kind of kind of goes up as well or the difficulty in gameplay, I should even say, it goes up until you reach the threshold of like, okay, yeah, I think I want to speedrun this game. And then you start learning all the little nuances and all the uh, things, minute details that you're supposed to perform and then you're like, wow, this game could be polished a little bit more. You start to notice some of the things that are really just kind of glaring issues with some of the gameplay, like maybe lag or, um, some kind of finicky things within the movement and the game. Um, so I think it's kind of this like, this weird bell curve almost. It's not a complete bell curve because I don't think it goes completely all the way down as you get <laughs> like so good yeah. at the game, but like, it kind of tapers down a little bit, um, and I know that goes without saying for every speed run or speed speed ran game, right? Like you know, you get more frustrated because you try to do like the super optimized stuff, but it's not even that. It's more of you're playing the game to its fullest, so you would you're discovering some things that aren't so optimized that you wouldn't normally. Um, so and and then they start to kind of bother you, and they're kind of buggy. Um, this makes it sound like I'm hating on the game, but I'm definitely not. I love this game and I love the gameplay even. Um, but I do think there's like a, a weird curve going on there when it comes to level of skill and the amount of fun that you have in the game and uh, how difficult it is for you.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like an ignorance is bliss sort of thing, where if you don't have like such high standards, then you don't get disappointed when things aren't perfect. And so I think that's kind of like what you're saying, where if you are you know, a god at this game, then the little imperfections can kind of accumulate if they always get in the way of you doing what you want, which is like playing the game as perfectly as possible. So yeah, I think that someone like me wouldn't really get to that point probably, but someone like you or other speedrunners, they probably would, yeah. And I think that makes total sense. Right, yeah.
0: And there's things like missed inputs that wouldn't bother... A normal, everyday person. I mean, it might on a very crucial moment. But, um, yeah, it's definitely super detrimental to a (laughs) speedrunner. Especially since he knows the implications of dying and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. Another thing is, there are some levels that lag. I mean, they just try to go ham on this game. And levels like Click Clock Wood, which are absolutely amazing. And, like, oh my gosh, look at this level. Um <laughs> they can be kind of laggy when you get up to the top and there's all those uh graphical models and stuff like that. Um yeah. But I want I do want to say I do love the freedom of movement in this game. Um Flutter is definitely a very unique kind of way to move around the map. So is uh Talon Trot. Um I think using Kazooie for like most of the moves and stuff like that. It just had a really unique move set. Uh this is why I think Banjo should be in Smash. So Nintendo uh, if you want to help your boy out, I know Microsoft. Microsoft said they'd be happy to let Banjo cross over. So, did they really? Yeah, they did.
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, Banjo, it's your twentieth birthday. We've noticed, so we're giving you permission to take the car out for a spin and go visit your friends at a Nintendo Land.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, I would be so hype. I just hope they wouldn't ruin the model. Like, they would make it like nuts and bolts Banjo Kazooie
1: want to hear a fun fact about uh, the origin of Kazooie?
0: Yeah, go ahead, man.
1: I learned this in my uh, my trivia troll last night when I was doing my research. But uh, the reason why, why Kazooie was created was because originally like for moves like the Flutter, um, Banjo's backpack was originally just supposed to sprout wings temporarily while he did that move. And then they thought, oh, what if there was a move where you could use like little legs from the backpack to run around? Uh, that eventually became Talon Trot, But before Kazooie was involved, they just made little legs like grow out of the backpack, not being attached to a bird living in the backpack or anything like that. And so eventually they were adding more moves that would do stuff like this, and then they thought, why don't we just have a character in the backpack, which then became (laughs) Kazooie. (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of like,
0: just put a head on there and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I didn't know that. I didn't know that in terms of like dev stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, swimming not being very fun for you. I do want to say that I think flying is pretty bad i I think that definitely could have been polished a little bit better, although I guess you know, with what they were trying to do with it and how they were trying to do it, I guess I could see it being a little bit hard, although uh, I think Super Mario did the flying thing better. But um, swimming, in my opinion, is not as bad as as people think. Um, maybe that's just because I'm a pro, but you do have two different speeds. Um, and then the R button, which kind of like is able to like move you sharply in the water. So you can move at different speeds. And if you need to turn super sharp, you can use the A button to go slower and the B one to go fast. Um, I thought it was really cool how they implemented all that stuff, but clanker, I I believe you're going to mention where you had trouble with clankers. I, I was watching your Twitch stream and, um, you seem to struggle with that. I want to say everybody has struggled at Clanker, especially in the pit down where Gloop is. Ugh, I even still find that annoying. <laughs> um, as, and it was mostly the camera, I think, that's to blame for that being kind of stupid.
1: Yeah, the, that segues well into my point about the camera, which I wanted to make. Right. Um, f- for the record, uh, since since we had, didn't really explain it very much, uh, Clanker's Cavern is a mostly underwater level in the game. And, uh, there's a section where I have to go deep underwater to do a task. And there is a fish there that will provide you with oxygen bubbles, but because of the camera and because of, uh, the swimming controls, if you're not used to everything, it can be difficult to get the oxygen and, uh, replenish your, well, oxygen, I guess. Uh, so I died a couple times doing that and I became somewhat frustrated, but, uh, eventually I learned myself up and, uh, got good and was able to do that. But, uh, yeah, I do want to talk about the camera a little bit. In my research, I found out that the camera is actually a fairly universal complaint from a lot of people. So the camera, you can use the C buttons to move the camera around Banjo and Kazooie. And you can also zoom in and out and do stuff like that. Again, very much like Super Mario 64. Uh, Hopefully we don't say that too many times during this podcast. We've probably already (laughs) hit our quota. Yeah. But the issue with the camera, and this is an issue that Super Mario 64 does not have, is that sometimes the camera doesn't rotate. I've been finding that usually if you're close to a wall or some other interfering object, the camera will not rotate in order to prevent it from clipping and also in order to prevent it from like zooming in too far or something like that, I guess. Um, But it feels fairly inconsistent. Like I often will kind of be mashing C left or C right, trying to move the camera and I can't. And then it always takes me a second to realize, Oh, maybe it's because I'm close to this wall. And then in some situations, like I think underwater, you might've mentioned this, but I don't think you can ever rotate the camera underwater, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, it's more so, like, when you
0: hold the R button, Uh, it kind of rotates the camera for you.
1: Yeah. That's kind of another thing that it does. Yeah, because pressing R centers the camera behind you, right? Kind of like in Zelda, you can do that with the Z button. Yeah. Okay. But it also makes you turn sharper at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. The camera complaints, and then the, uh, the complaints about me forgetting what buttons do what <laughs> all the time. Um, those are really only the, the only complaints that I have so far. Again, I haven't put in enough hours into the game to have like a conclusive viewpoint on this, but everything else that I think about the game is really positive, so I'm kind of glad that uh, I've gotten my negatives out of the way. I, I do have some more points here, of course, but Kevin, if, if there's anything that you want to say further, like whether it's critiques or compliments, I'm uh, going to kind of pass the ball to you here. I
0: actually have one more critique. For the gameplay, I actually wrote down a ton for the gameplay. <laughs> I don't know why I was so critical. I still, I still really like the gameplay overall, but being a speedrunner, there's just so much things that I notice. But I think even on a casual level, this resonates with some people. Um, so in the game, you have to collect Jiggies, Notes, uh, Jinjos, Mumbo Tokens, uh, sometimes even Moves, uh, depending on each level. Um, each level, you can get up to 100 notes. The notes are basically currency in the hub world. You can get up to 100 notes per level. But if you die, you lose all of your notes, and you have a high score of whatever note. If you die or leave the level, you have a high score of however many notes you attain for that level. Um, this, this is going to sound very confusing, and honestly, it kind of really is. But um, So let's say if I had 78 notes in a level and I died. Well, my high score for that level is 78. Um, So then I would exit the world, and I would have 78 more notes overall to my total than I had before. If I go back in the level, I would have to collect those 78 notes again, or not the same 78 notes, but um, just 78 notes again, and then once I started getting more, that's when it would add back onto my total. Mm -hmm. So... That can be very annoying or tedious if you accidentally die or like right before you get a hundred notes or something like that then you have to go back all the way through and you don't really remember where the notes that you got previously and it just kind of makes the game a little bit more tedious. I kind of wish that whatever notes that you did get you would keep and especially since um you need most of the notes from every level anyway to get through the entire game and like if you want like. A lot of help against Grunty, the final boss. You really need to get almost all of the notes. So, notes are pretty crucial. And for them to kind of, uh, for their punish game to be that strong on that, uh, I thought was a little too much. But uh, overall, I-, I still think it's fine. Yeah. So the notes weren't too hard to find. It's just in the case of like uh, Treasure Trove Cove, for instance, there's that one note on the little cliff, like, somebody probably never found that, <laughs> and just looked all around for that one note. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it can be kind of a hassle.
1: Yeah. I wrote down the same thing, that I found the punishment for dying, uh, in terms of notes, to be pretty devastating, really. Uh, especially if you don't know about it beforehand. You know, from me watching your speedruns, and from you advising me as such, when I was playing the game, I knew very well that if I died, I would be stuck with whatever note total I had, and I'd have to collect more if I didn't already get the 100. So a lot of my gameplay at the beginning of a level was revolving around me getting all the notes and then not dying, uh, you know, on your suggestion as well. And so I, I can't imagine if you're somebody who's playing the game for the first time or, you know, otherwise doesn't have much experience. If you're collecting mm-hmm. your notes, having a good time, then you die, and you're like, oh, that's probably not a big deal. And then come to find out it might have been a big deal because you might need those notes to progress, as you said, and then you have to collect all of them again Um, because you do need certain totals of notes to open doors in the hub world that give you access to other areas so uh, yeah, they are really important, they're not very optional, if they were more optional uh, it would be fine, I think, the way that they punish you for dying but uh, because they're pretty crucial, I do think it is a bit harsh, so I'm practically 100% in agreement with you here cool cool. well,
0: uh, I think you wanted to get on some of the positives, and I am too, because this game's amazing, and I think I've just been too critical of the gameplay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will say, speaking of the hub world, I really enjoy the way that they did it in this game. Um, The hub world here is in uh, Gruntilda's, what, lair, I guess? Yeah, Grunty's lair is the name of it. Uh, Gruntilda is the final boss of the game. She's a witch who kidnapped Banjo's sister, and you have to go get her back. That's kind of the story in a tiny nutshell. But her lair is the hub world, and her lair, because it is kind of a villain's lair, She has some enemies, she has some traps, she has some, like, little puzzles in her lair, which is really fun because it makes the hub world feel like a good part of the game that has stuff for you to do. And it's not just a hallway connecting point A and point B together, you know? And so I really appreciate that. It's a little bit different, again, from Super Mario 64, where the hub world is, like, a good place. You know, it's Princess Peach's castle, and there are things there that help you. Um, In this game, it's the opposite, and it's pretty neat and pretty fun for that reason.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's not something I wrote down in my notes, but that is a very interesting point. The the hub world is fun, and it actually has a lot of puzzles, and um, can be confusing on which way to go Yeah, uh, if you're new to the game, but it keeps you interested even if it is confusing. It kind of makes you want to explore the hub world. And uh, yeah, it is slightly kind of dangerous. It's dangerous. But I kind of like it. (laughs) Yeah, so that is a very good point. Um, I think the concept of each level uh, in terms of the collectibles and what you need to get uh, overall is very fun. I like that you don't... Well, I hesitate to make another comparison. Oof. (laughs) But Super Mario 64 is definitely an easy one to compare it to because it has collectibles and it's platforming. So of the collectibles, I did enjoy these much better and I do like that you don't have to exit the world every time you get a jiggy Yeah, so I did like that difference. The transformations were a lot of fun Um and really just overall like Rare makes everything you do in this game in terms of the gameplay, they make it fun collecting is fun Um doing the transformations is fun learning a new move is fun it's all intriguing and it keeps you wanting more and so you just kind of naturally progress through the game and it's just i don't know they did a really good job of just enticing you with what they offered in terms of the gameplay
1: yeah you're, you're able to keep your momentum going because of the fact that you don't have to leave the level every time you get the the main collectible which in this game is a jiggy yeah So that that might be something that they learned directly from Super Mario 64 where they were playing it. Like, you know, I really wish I didn't have to exit the damn level every time. Oh, (laughs) guess what? In our new game, you don't have to. Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) Yeah, easy. 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 (laughs) Well, cool, man. Did you have anything else to add? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, These both have to do with the variety and the gameplay. So I'll kind of kill two birds with one stone here. Two Kazooies, if you will. Um, So (laughs) almost every level... I think almost every level, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, has a shaman named Mumbo who can transform you into a new little form. Uh, Usually the forms are based on animals or other things you might find in the environment. Uh, For example, in the first main level, which is called Mumbo's Mountain, uh, there's a bunch of ants, or termites, um, probably ants, and they have an anthill that you can explore very easily if you go up to Mumbo and let him transform you into an ant. That form gives you the ability to Climb surfaces that normally you couldn't or would be difficult to do and most of the levels have something like that um, And it's, it's always very cute. like, you know, you're a little your little ant or you're a little pumpkin or a little bumblebee or something like that and uh, Some of them are more fun than others, but overall it's a fun time just to go to mumbo and see what he's got in store for you and uh, Have more of the world opened up to you for that and uh, that's just a fun little Way to to add to spice up the game. I think
0: Oh man, yeah, I love the transformations. It just adds like another aspect to the game that you're just like, ah, yeah, you're <laughs> right. It is kind of cute. Yeah. Real quick, what's your favorite transformation that you've seen from me? I know you haven't played all of them, but what what's the favorite one?
1: I'm pretty partial to the pumpkin. I think.
0: Dude, same. Ryan hates the pumpkin, but I <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love the pumpkin. I, I'm so glad that you said that because I know like right now. I'm also I'm calling it out again. Ryan's like, "Gosh, dang it, no!" (laughs) He (laughs) he just shouted that in his car while he's driving to Houston. Dang it! I hope I'm like super like on point with these like predictions of Ryan's actions when he hears like these (laughs) things. (laughs) I want him to like personally text me, but I don't think he's gotten through all the episodes yet. We got a lot of uh, high quality content out there.
1: How can you be a guest on the episode and not make your way through all of the other episodes? Yeah, you should listen
0: the exact moment that it comes out. You owe us, Everett. <laughs> wow, that was really cool. I liked how you did that. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's, it sounded really cool. Like you don't need any voice effects for that one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we've we've went on too much of a tangent
1: here, but uh, yeah, I I agree with you. Transformation's awesome. Okay, my last point. Okay. Some levels have little mini games that you can play. One good example is uh, Bubble Gloop Swamp. And uh, there are too many games you can play here. And one of them, you have to play a memory game where these turtles will kind of sing a song and then you have to memorize which ones sang in what order. And then another mini game in that same level is a competition against a greedy crocodile (laughs) named uh, Mr. Vile. Oh, Mr. Vile. And uh, you have to eat more worms than Mr. Vile does in a certain time limit. Um, Both of these mini-games, along with the other ones in the levels, once again, similar to the transformations, they don't make or break the game, I don't think, not by Country Mile, but they do add a nice little amount of variety that can break up the platforming. And uh, there are also ways to showcase the personality that Rare put into their characters, into their game, because, like, the Turtles, uh, maybe they don't have so much of a personality, but Vile, the greedy crocodile, he definitely does. Uh, Speedrunners hate him. (laughs) And uh, other characters, too, like, there's a polar bear named Boggy that you have to uh, defeat in a sled race. And that's another, like, opportunity for some silly dialogue and, you know, fun gameplay. And, and, and it's just little things like that that add up and make the whole experience really nice.
0: Yeah, it's funny. As you're saying this, I want to go back and play those segments right now. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I love those segments so much. I mean, Vile can be kind of... uh. Well, I only hate Vile because he can ruin a run, that greedy croc. But um, I, I freaking love the characters in this game, and you're right; it is a nice shift in pace from the normal platforming. It doesn't make you feel like it's the same thing every level. You kind of go out of your way, and you're like, "Oh, what's this? What do I have to do for this jiggy?" And you're like, "Oh, this is quite, quite the something."
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, cool, man. I believe that does it for all of. Your points, I think that you said final point, right? That is correct. And that does it for all of my points. So I think we are moving on from gameplay. But before we do, we should give our ratings.
1: Yeah, I gave mine a hot, fresh, personal pan pizza. 85.
0: Ooh, nice. I gave mine a 94. Nice, dude. You know, I think... Just to kind of sum it up again, I think the gameplay is super fun, keeps you engaged. Um, The movement's really nice. I like the movement. It can be a little bit annoying at times, but overall, I have a lot of fun just moving around in the game. Playing the game, I like the concept of the game. Um, It's just really fun to me. It's one of my favorite games, and
1: I just love it. It's kind of funny because I remember with our Tony Hawk's Pro Skater review... I gave the gameplay a much higher score than you did, and in the Banjo-Kazooie review, it's kind of the opposite. So we're both favoring the gameplay of the games that we speedrun, which I guess is not a surprise to most people. (laughs) For sure. Well,
0: let's move on to aesthetics, because I'm, well... Aesthetics.
1: Aesthetics.
0: Because I think... (laughs) Aesthetics. To visuals we go. And I guess I will start out with this one, since you started out the last segment. Go for it. The characters are freaking fun and interesting. I love the way they look. I love the way the levels look. Everything has eyes, even the vegetables. I just love how fun and goofy the game is and how silly it can be without being over-the-top silly. It's just the right amount of humor. Um, leave it to the Brits to just go ahead and take the reins on that. Cheerio, mate. <laughs> and, uh yeah i i like the way the moves look uh i think they are also very fun and unique it's just they they do a good job of once again like drawing you into the game with its charm in the moves in the levels in the characters the way they look well the way everything looks and feels um it just has this charm to it that just kind of draws you in and is wanting you to want more
1: yeah i agree uh All the whimsy and character of the game is backed up by some very strong visuals from a technical standpoint as well. Uh, The models, I think, look pretty sharp. All the colors are vibrant. Uh, The textures look good, which is a huge point in favor of this game versus Super Mario 64, which had probably the ugliest textures I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's an exaggeration. But uh, yeah, technically, the game's a feat visually speaking, and uh, I was actually reading about some cool thing that they did. I don't remember the details, but because the game uh, was rendering so much detail at any given time, they had to do this thing that like reshuffled the memory as the player was playing, um, or like defragment the memory or something like that. Maybe I'll send you the article and you can read it, because it's probably pretty cool from a dev perspective. I actually know what you're talking about. Yeah, they uh, they did this cool
0: thing... They were revolutionary in this concept, but it's pretty much standard practice now. And I don't know exactly, like, I I would also need to quote the article on what they did. But I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of keeping all the textures, like, all the relevant textures in memory in such an optimized and dynamic way that when you leave an area and you enter a new one, the old ones are gone and the new ones are where you're at
1: this game also has a lot of fun little visual touches. Uh, some examples of this are actually like kind of in the heads-up display. Uh, for one thing, all the characters in the game have little like animated heads that appear whenever they're saying dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> um, there are little three D models for all of the collectible items, like not just the big ones like jiggies and notes and things like that. But every time you collect a red feather or a mumbo token or a gold feather or whatever, um, a little like. 3D model will appear on the screen along with a sound effect. We'll get to the sounds later. Um, But yeah, just another way for them to inject life into like every nook and cranny of this game, like, you know, even the heads up display. And I I say this a lot on this podcast, but like no one needed to do that and they did anyway. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think Rare does an excellent job of doing those things, going the extra mile on things like that. They just love putting their own touch onto things like that. Um, I do want to say, <laughs> and I kind of realized this when you were you are playing on stream. Um, the reason you had a lot of trouble with Gloop as well, or going down there in the Clanker's Cavern, is because of that stupid 2D textured bubble. It wasn't an actual 3D model. Because yep. I guess I don't know how. I, yeah, that was stupid. Because <laughs> it ruined your perspective, especially given with the camera. Like it would just like you didn't know where to hit that bubble and, and a lot of people have that problem. So I still have that problem and uh, yeah. it could be very frustrating. So that's one little critique I, I could say about the uh, visuals,
1: but other than that, really stellar. That's not really any fault of this game either. That's something that was standard practice and almost every N64 game, probably. And also even many GameCube games like super smash, Brothers melee has a lot of visual effects that are rendered like that. Then again, Smash Brothers is pretty much a two D game, so it's not the, quite the same. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of three D and sixty four games have like two D sprites that function as fake three D models. Um, usually, I don't think it's that much of a problem. But the bubbles <laughs> in Clanker's Cavern were definitely <laughs> a, a, a spot where a three D real last bubble would have been appreciated.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it cracked me up. At the same time, I felt so bad. Don't laugh at my pain. <laughs> Well, uh, honestly, I don't have much else to say on visuals. I, I I don't know if you have anything else, but it's pretty short and sweet for me.
1: Yeah. Um. The only other thing that I want to say is that I really appreciate how the heads-up display uh, disappears whenever it's not needed. This is something that I think is fairly standard practice in a lot of games now. A lot of like adventuring-type games. Um, but I always like having as little HUD on the screen as possible, and this game was, I would imagine, a fairly early example of a game doing that because I don't think that was really standard back in this time. So, um, yeah, like whenever you lose health, your health meter will come up, or whenever you uh, are swimming and you have a limited oxygen supply, that'll come up. Whenever you collect an item, that will come up. But all that stuff will go away after a few seconds if you don't need to know it anymore. And I really like that.
0: Cool. Just out of curiosity, what games have the hood that you find very annoying Annoying around this Period of time like the N sixty four era uh,
1: annoying is a stretch um, like it doesn't really bother me but I appreciate when it's not there um, one example you'll never guess this one is uh, Super Mario sixty four <laughs> <laughs> that oh. game's HUD is there all the time the health meter is not the health meter is only there when you need it okay. uh, which actually is the same way that it is in Banjo um, games like Goldeneye and Perfect Dark will have an ammo display there all the time although you can turn that off. Optionally, in the uh, <laughs> in the options menu, <laughs> right. Mario Kart sixty four also will have a lot of HUD up. Um, yeah, Star Fox does. I mean, in those games, maybe that's a little more understandable because those are games where like you always need to have an eye on your ammo supply or like the shield of your aircraft or uh, the ma- like the map of the track or any of those things. Um, in this game, it's a little bit more leisurely, unless you're speed running, of course. But I think the type of game very much governs whether you should have the HUD up at all times or not. And uh, this type of game that Banjo is, it's a game where I don't think you need to have it up all the time. Cool. Cool. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, that does it for me. That's it for
0: me. That's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave the visuals a 95. Hot, fresh, 95. That is hot and fresh. Mm-hmm. I give mine a 90. 90. 90. Cool, that's a that's a big step for you too cuz well, actually the 85 was big for you. Yeah, the 85 was like a step within a step. I I'm <laughs> I'm really proud of how far you've come, man. <laughs> you know, people said I
1: couldn't do it, but I said fuck the haters
0: and here I am. <laughs> yeah, here we are, given 85s and 90s. Um so cool. Well, let's move on to the
1: audio. Um, oh, God, I'm just ready to have like a, just a <laughs> really appreciative time with the audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then why don't you take it away, buddy? Sure thing. So uh, I, th- I think you cannot talk about Banjo-Kazooie without talking about just how amazing the soundtrack is. The music in this game was composed by A1, very famous, very well-loved Grant Kirkhope, one of our British friends. Um, this guy is a living legend for his work on the rare games as well as some other ones. Um, but all the music in this game is just so, um, except for like the obvious villain themes and things like that. Everything else in the game is just so upbeat, so cheery. Um, the music modulates in really cool ways where every level will have like three to five variations of the main theme, depending on whether you're on land or underwater or in like a dungeon type of area or, if you're close to like a certain defining part of the level, like the music will change smoothly between one version and the other to match your environment. And uh, that's just, I don't know, like it's a pretty old trick by this point, but it, it's just always really cool, man. Like I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just awesome.
0: Yeah, I've, I agree. The soundtrack in this game is absolutely perfect. The audio in this game is absolutely perfect. I love the sounds to this game. It's also fun and like energetic and like interesting and I don't know, man. It, I agree with you. There's, n- I, I I literally cannot complain about one soundtrack, one sound in this game. Uh, a lot of people would complain about uh, the characters and like. How they talk like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> but I actually love that because you see we're <laughs> we're laughing about that right now, and it just kind of has its own charm. Like I I love it. Uh, I I really in terms of audio, this has to be one of the best games uh, ever, and for me at least, in terms of like sounds and soundtracks and uh, little nuance effects and things like that. Even like especially for back in its. Uh, for back in its day, like you know, having this carrot chasing you and it, you can hear the bouncing effect, you're like doink, doink. It just <laughs> it's just like I don't know, it just adds to the charm of this game. They did a really good job with the aesthetics of this game. So um I totally agree. <laughs> I I have no complaints.
1: Yeah, you know, I will say, um, this is kind of the little points of mine, but the uh the little talking heads thing where they go like ooh, 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 I actually do kind of find that annoying sometimes. Um, and I totally understand why other people do it. And I, I think that in general, the game the sound in the game can be a bit much at times. I think if you're playing the game for like hours on end, then maybe you do get tired of hearing like so many upbeat themes and so many like goofy sound effects and so many people going like whoosh and, like, doing, and, like, you know, things like that. Because <laughs> they do have a lot of, like, human, you know, mouth sound effects, which actually is really funny um, and fits <laughs> the game well. Yeah. But uh, do you get what I'm saying? Where, like, it can be a little bit much sometimes. Like, just so much, like, sugar-coated sound. Yeah. That really would be the only, like, complaints I would have. Everything else, I think, is just stellar.
0: Yeah, and I and I definitely agree with you. I think a lot of people can look into it that way. But I guess for me personally... I feel like I'm such a goofy guy, and that's such a goofy game. And the way they did the audio is just such a goofy way. Uh, I just it it's all perfect for me. Like that is Banjo Kazooie, especially personified through its audio, is me <laughs> in a game. Like that, I is Banjo. I am Banjo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it and you know going going back to the uh, games and. Like if you if you hadn't played it in a long time it's impossible to not it's impossible to forget how it sounds it's just so addicting and so memorable and impossible not to sing and hum along with it. I just the soundtrack was great, Grant. Like you did a fantastic job. I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but if you do, job well done, buddy. I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times before, but here's a thousand and one. Great job, man.
1: <laughs> Can I tell a funny story about Grant's Kirkhope? Oh yeah, go ahead, man. I actually don't know if I've told you this before, but um, back in like 2013, I sent him an email. I, I don't know why, but I was just feeling very appreciative of the Perfect Dark soundtrack, which I have on my iPod, by the way. And uh, I sent him an email, and I just said, "Hey, man! Like, I really love your music on all these different games that I've played, and uh, you know, I just, I just want you to know that. Like, I'm sure it's nothing you haven't heard before, but I just want to say hi and what's up and thank you. And uh, to my great shock." He emailed me back, like, two days later, or, like, some very reasonable short time frame for a guy of his, like, legacy. And he said, Hey, man, I'm really glad you like the soundtrack. And he, like, sent me a link to download the Perfect Dark soundtrack. Like, just straight up. Like, he just sent me a link. I was Whoa. like, yo, this is sick. Like, this guy's my best friend now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start emailing back and forth. All of a sudden, yeah, he stops d- replying. Yeah, like, like he and I are kind of buds now, I'd like to think. You know, ma- maybe not totally, but... um. Yeah, it's just it's just so cool, and like that's that's probably uh, one of the most famous people I've ever talked to has been a uh, well, first Jeff Rowley, of course. Yeah, I was about to say Jeff Rowley, and then also Grant Kirkhope, uh, people that I've interacted with who are just really <laughs> great, and it's it's just oh shit, this might be important. I have to answer this. Okay, hello, dude. What's up? We were just talking about you, man. It's Grant. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, on the uh, on Instant Gamers. Yeah, the one that I told you about. Yeah, no, uh, we're just talking about Banjo-Kazooie and just how great uh, your music is and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, you know, like preaching to the choir here, but <laughs> just amazing work, man. Stop it. Yeah, you know, my yeah, my friend Kevin, yeah, I, I told you about him, right? I told you about Stop. how he stream on Twitch and stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, I'm on the show right now, but uh, we're recording actually. Look, Kevin's cracking up over here because we were just talking about you. But uh, yeah, uh, let me go and uh, yeah, go ahead and send me a link to that album you're working on. I'd love to hear it. Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. It's her secret. Yeah, all right. Oh, and say hi to the kids for me, will you? Yeah, okay. Thanks, man. Later. (laughs) You'll never believe who that was.
0: (laughs) Okay, that was pretty good. Oh, man. Yeah, you better hope he has kids. What if he doesn't have kids?
1: Yeah. Well, then I fucked up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was great. That was great. Perfect timing for Perfect Dark. Thank
1: you. I will say that I uh, learned that little comedy trick from another podcast I listen to, so I'm not like a super genius, but... Dude, that was... No, that was
0: <laughs> that was really good. You actually had me believe in it for like half a second. <laughs> but anyway... That's all that I needed. Where were we? <laughs> all right, that's the podcast. We don't really need to discuss any more. I mean, that is, that's everything.
1: Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, I do have a few little small... Compliments to give uh, Grant Kirkhope that I haven't already told him. Um, <laughs> so one thing that is really cool is that the game revolves around the idea of musical motifs. You know, things that appear repeatedly throughout the game or throughout individual levels. And it's really cool because what Grant did is he was able to build off of those themes to really like extend the soundtrack in interesting ways. Um, for example, I was looking at like an official... Not official, but I was looking at a full length OST post on YouTube and it was like three and a half hours of music. A lot of which share the same like melodies and chords because they're all kind of based on each other, but it was all still interesting because of the ways that uh, Grant varied it up depending on the environment or the exact situation. It's just cool. Like, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot to be said for consistency and things like this. And this is an example of consistency that has enough variety to keep it interesting, but then enough that's the same. To make you kind of feel like you're in a unified world right, I agree, and isn't
0: that kind of similar to um Super Mario World soundtrack if I'm wrong I mean it's been a while since I've played it since you know the last podcast we had about it, but I believe Jason mentioned something about it uh in our only fan mail that we've gotten about simplicity and consistency in terms of soundtracks
1: yeah no it's it's the same thing I think, and this is definitely a great application of it too. Yeah, yeah, cool. Speaking of consistency, this is something that I'm not actually quite as psyched about, but I'm fairly sure that every song in the game is in the key of C. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Which like is which is kind of neat. I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, it it feels a little tiny bit lazy, and it's like one critique that I have. But it's kind it's kind of a nothing critique, but it's still <laughs> you know something.
0: Oh man, Grant's gonna be mad at you now.
1: Yeah, shit. I'm going to have to edit all that out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, cool.
1: Yeah, that wraps up what I have to say about the audio. Yeah, same here. Cool. What'd you give it, dude?
0: All right. Monumental moment here on the Interstate Gamers. Don't tell me. Wait! Don't tell me! And it's a 100! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Perfect. I have absolutely no complaints. Audio, I there's nothing I could say. Like this is I don't know if that's my first one hundred. I think it is. It it's it
1: has got to be. There's no way. Yeah. Um yeah. <sighs> a one hundred. My heart's kind of racing right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just so excited for you. Yeah. I know. Listeners.
0: Yeah, I finally gave something a one hundred. And I'm a very critical person. Yep. And I don't give out hundreds very easily. Nope. Because it has to be perfect but this game's perfect in terms of audio. So that's what I gave it. What'd you give it? I swear if you say like a 50, I will come over there to Denver.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what it takes. (laughs) No, I'm not far behind you, dude. I gave it a hot fresh 95. Dang. There we go. Cool. And from a musical expert like me, you know that's saying something. I
0: know. It really is. You were actually uh, telling me that you listened to the soundtrack today and texting me about it, how hype you were on it, so that was that was really cool to see while I was at work.
1: Yeah. Ooh, one thing I want to ask you, I meant to ask you this earlier. Um, in a previous episode, we were talking about OSTs that we like, and you mentioned banjos being way up there, of course. Um, I was wondering, do you have a single favorite theme from this game? <sighs> single
0: favorite. I don't want to be cliche and say freeze easy, but it might still be. is <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I'm always a fan of Bubble Gloop, and I'm a fan of Gobies. I'm going to end up like naming all of them, but Freezeezy's a pretty good one. We'll just say that one.
1: That surprises me. I, I don't really know why, but I just wasn't necessarily expecting that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, mine, because I so far I do have one favorite, and I, I've heard enough music of the game to be able to say this with fair amount of Conviction, I think. Uh, but my favorite is... What's it called? Treasure Trove Cove. Ah, uh, yeah. That's Ryan's favorite, too. Yeah. Ryan's like, Yes! 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 I love Mo <laughs>
0: Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, oh, and Mad Monster Mansion. That's my favorite level in Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, there's, like, the the organ you can go in and play with. Mott's hand. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Speaking of uh, levels...
1: I think it's time for us to get into the uh, the content. The content? All right, content. well, let's
0: get into that content. Um, I think it is my turn to start off. I'm just going to take right. the reins. Okay, so the content of this game is perfectly concise. Uh, you have the same missions to accomplish for every level with slight variances how you go about those tasks. Uh, every task, every jiggy, every event... In that game is an absolute blast, and it's a fun experience the whole way through. Um, I would say this game has a is very high replayability. Um, So for me, the content that's within the game, and basically how long it takes to play it, and I'm coming from a speedrunner's perspective. It takes me two hours to two and a half hours to um, beat the game one hundred percent. And you know, an any percent one is like an hour or something like that too. So it's still got a pretty good amount of content, but it's not too long in my opinion. Um, So I think it's very high replayability and it keeps you, it's not necessarily doesn't have a lot of extra content, but like I said, it does a good job of immersing you in the game and, and it has its own charm to it that kind of just draws you in. And um, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily leave you screaming, you know, I want more content. I want, more of this more of that it it's rather it's like again 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 I want to go through that again I want to experience those things again uh, I just want to play the game again and so that's that's why people do many runs of banjo dude because they just love it and that's why the top runners they just they replay spiral mountain over and over again ooh spiral mountain that's a good soundtrack
1: that is a good soundtrack oh that's that, that might be a sleeper hit right there yeah
0: I might that might be it Anyway, um, yeah, that's how I kind of feel about the conciseness of the game. I love its simplicity, yet, like, intricacy at the
1: same time. It's, it's
0: this weird mix, which you think you can't have both, but you can. You can.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I I have kind of, like, little supplements to say about most of the things you said. Um, in terms of extra content, you're right that there isn't really much, if any. Um, like, there's no multiplayer, there's no, like, real bonus Features, I guess, but things like that were planned. Um, I believe this game was originally going to have a multiplayer, but they simply couldn't really fit it in at the time. Um, that was something that would come in Banjo Tooie two years later. There also was an f- extra feature that was supposed to link Banjo Kazooie with Banjo Tooie. They were kind of like they're trying to like future implement this thing that ended up not working out very well just because of hardware limitations of the N sixty four. But it shows that these guys are trying to do so much stuff right like the game was very ambitious and even though they couldn't realize you know 101% of their ambitions they got really close and uh, and the rest of the game I think more than makes up for it as you were saying the simplicity but at the same time there's variety Uh, like with even the mini games and things like that that I talked about earlier those help extend the content and give variety and uh, interest. Once again, this is an N64 game that has nine levels. I don't know what it is about these N64 games that have, you know, just nine levels. <laughs> just give me ten. Well, I guess Spiral is kind of a tenth level. But anyway, yeah, you have all the collectibles to collect in each level. You have ten Jiggies, 100 notes, five gingos. You also have, like, the Honeycomb pieces. But the point of that is that they give you enough stuff to do in every level. And so far, it's taken me about six hours to 100% the first three levels. And that's with me b- being, like, semi a blind playthrough like where I've seen Kevin play it and Kevin's also giving me hints but if, if I was going in totally blind then that would take me longer to like extend the life of the game and also the, the later levels will take longer anyway because they're more difficult right yeah like the game uh, I agree it's I don't know if I would call it concise necessarily but it is it's focused. yeah and that's in that way where you know it does what it sets out to do and that's kind of it kind of like Tony Hawk in that regard really just a different genre of game
0: yeah, and I guess I, I say concise. I'm comparing it to its uh, successor, uh, Banjo Tooie. It, it's definitely more concise than Banjo Tooie. Banjo Tooie seems to kind of go off on a whole tangent and kind of it's it's very it's a, it's a can of worms for sure. It's still a fun <laughs> game, and I love all the things that it brought to the table and all the innovations that it even brought. But I guess I say it's concise because I compare it to that game. Uh, and from a newbie perspective, I don't remember what that's like. <laughs> I I just don't anymore. I've played the game so many times through, and it feels so concise to me because it's like, okay, you go here, you go, you do this, you do that, boom. Yeah, and you go per level basis. Like it's very linear. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I do have one critique actually, and it's about freaking furnace fun. That stupid. Oof. Segment. Okay, so that segment had no... I, I mean, it is kind of goofy like the rest of the game, and it, and it kind of fits in that aspect, but it's just... It really kills the momentum of the game, especially when you don't have the, the calculator or us speedrunners use and the glitch we use to get through it. If you're just playing through it, it's so uh, random and tedious to really figure out all the answers to and you can end up dying multiple multiple times and could probably end up uh, having most people quit the game and never come back right before Grunty because it's just that frustrating. Even if you complete, which I guess this might be a treat for people who complete Furnace Fun and the hell that it is, uh, It's literally (laughs) looks like it's in hell. But there is a six minute long and for speedrunners this sucks, but there is a six minute long like Cut scene where everybody thinks they've won the game and you know they saved the day, but they're like, Oh, wait, no, you need to go beat Grunty, and he's like, Oh, yeah. So then he goes back, and you got to go back and beat Grunty. Um, so really, it's just one large, big waste of time that kills the complete momentum of the game. I know Rare likes their mini games and like their things like that, but um, man, that's one I could have done without. Uh, I feel like they should have done some play testing on that because that was awful. Um, so that's my biggest critique on the content.
1: <laughs> Do you want to explain to the people back home what exactly Furnace Fun is? Right, so Furnace Fun is
0: a... It's like a game show that Grunty, the main boss, kind of puts on for you. And you have these tiles that you move around like Monopoly... Um, you can only go one tile at a time, and each tile is something different. It either asks you a certain question about a picture from the game or a certain fact about Grunty, or there's even a death square where if you land on this square and you get the question wrong, you die. So that's cool. Um, and if you get the question wrong normally, you lose a health. If you don't know what to do when it comes to Furnace Fun, my condolences. Uh, You're supposed to talk to Grunty's (laughs) sister, Brentilda, who gives you the answers to some of these, but then you have to memorize these answers. Like I said, it disrupts the whole pace of the game, because this is not glaringly obvious when you're going throughout the game playing it. Um, So, yeah, you have to go back and kind of figure out the answers to some of these riddles. It's doable on your first playthrough, but unlikely. Uh, You're likely to get very frustrated and not want to play again. At least that's me. Um, but it I guess it does feel kind of rewarding when you're done with it, but uh, ew, yeah, that I think that hurts the game in my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, that's something that unfortunately I don't have the personal experience to truly really, like have that affect my rating one way or the other, but it certainly sounds like a pretty shitty time, to be honest. Yeah. And I've seen you yeah. I mean I've seen you only do it the speedrunning way, which does seem frustrating, but also somehow more tolerable than the way you're supposed to do it, based on the way that you just described it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I totally forgot about that. I'm kind of wondering if I want to like lower my rating just a little bit for that. <laughs> wow, um, I it was
0: such a harsh review that I made you lower yeah. your rating.
1: Uh, but I, but I think I'll leave it for the sake of it being a uh, integritous to the people and to my my own experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) true. I
1: don't feel like changing my rating, that's what I'm trying to say, but...
0: (laughs) No, I agree with you. I don't think you should either. I don't think... I mean, it's bad, but I don't think it speaks to the game as a whole. However, it's just... Yeah, it's stupid.
1: It's more like one just gross misstep that they made in an otherwise amazing game.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I just want to say, to kind of close out my content, the charm of this game... Is amazing. Uh, the characters are amazing. Um, there's just, you, it's gonna be, this is gonna sound really weird, um, but especially through speedrunning, I've developed sort of a bond with these characters given their charm and how unique each of them are. So, like, I get to Boggy, I'm like, yo, what's up, Boggy? Or <laughs> Vile, I'm like, ah, freaking Vile. You know, like, you get to each of these sections and you're like, you have a different emotion when it comes to them and i think that really speaks to the game's personality i just i really like the way they made the content in this game and i think it's it's pretty stellar with the exception of furnace fun amazing job rare as a whole i think just awesome and you were right in that they were working on two player mode for this game but it's interesting when you 100% the game and you beat grunty she Tosses this bit of magic at you at the end, and uh, it's supposed to unlock the two-player mode. And you go back through and beat the game in two-player mode. But they just took out the two-player mode. But I don't think they took out that extra bit at the end where she kind of alludes to an extra game mode, but she doesn't specify. Hmm. So there was ne- it's never really clear what she's talking about at the end. Um but most people just assume
1: it's the sequel. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to echo what you said about the characters being so memorable because that is something I wrote down and I don't think I got to say it myself yet. Uh, But of course, some of the main characters are very memorable. I think Grunty is probably the most memorable character in the whole game. I mean, partly because she speaks in rhyme the entire time. (laughs) Um, Wow, you just did that. Hell yeah. But also Kazooie. you know got a big mouth on her, but she's pretty cool. Uh, Even Bottles. I like Bottles a lot. Just something about him. I feel like I relate to him on a deep and personal level somehow. But even the minor characters and some of the level specific characters like Clanker and you you said Boggy. I really like Boggy too just from watching you (laughs) kick his ass in sled races. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like, you know, sometimes I get a little annoyed like, oh, how come when I collect an egg for the first time it has to show up and be like, I'm an egg, you can collect me to shoot Because, you know, like whatever. Like Sometimes I feel like that gets a little annoying, but um, on the whole I really do like the way that they just made the game like positively bleed character everywhere you know like it's just <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just great I agree with you man and I imagine that I'd only get a stronger bond with it the more that I played it yeah
0: it's a weird feeling when you speed run it when you want to be mad but at the same time these characters are like
1: what's up banjo <laughs> <laughs> yeah got a second for me to tell you my life story no skip text
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's it for me. That's it for me. All right. So, do you want to give your rating first? Ninety. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yes, it's a ninety. <laughs> oh, a ninety. I thought you were going to be like, like ninety-three or something like oh, that. Oh no no no! You kept me in anticipation. Oh uh, well, mine is a ninety-six. Damn, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good that's pretty good that so averaging all of my scores together that's gonna be ninety four with a ninety seven point five with a ninety six so that for con- for gameplay uh aesthetics and content respectively um my overall score is a ninety five point eight three three which rounds up to a ninety six
1: impressive star fox yes so my ratings, I have an 85 for gameplay. A 90 for visuals, 95 for audio. Those combined into a 92.5 for aesthetics, aesthetics. And then a 90 for content. So the three relevant scores are 85, 92.5, and 90. Which when I average those, I get a fat, fresh, 89.1666, which rounds up to an 89.2.
0: Oh, okay, I see. So your overall is eighty nine point two.
1: My overall final last score is eighty nine point two.
0: Okay, cool. So our
1: IG rating is a ninety two point
0: five for this game. I'm pretty satisfied with that. Yeah, me too. Cool. I'm very satisfied with the ninety two point five. And yeah, that that does it for our review of Banjo Kazooie. Yep. I really enjoy these meat and potatoes. Yeah. Well, I also have a very exciting mix-up to bring to this podcast. Oh, shit! Episode. Um, we will not be doing and This may be some of your guys' favorite uh, section, but I thought I'd switch it up this time. and uh, Instead of a quick attack section, and Peter's not ready for this because I didn't tell him what it was, we're actually going to do a Nintendo video game trivia. Ooh, wow. Section.
1: I like this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just a little mix up and I think our viewers uh at home would would like to uh listen along and see if they can get the answers right. Um so basically yeah, simple format. I ask you a question, I list uh, the possible answers that it could be and you pick one. Um so it's something we can easily go through. Um but I thought it would be interesting and uh People would be like, oh, no, you idiot, why didn't you pick this one? Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> if anyone calls me an idiot,
1: you're banned from the podcast.
0: Yeah, you can't listen anymore. Beer will <laughs> make it to where like the frequency can't be read by your ears only. Anyway, um, this first one's kind of easy, I'm going to have to say. Um, I got it from Nintendo's website itself, but it's a good one to start off with to kind of see how the format's going to go. So you ready? Hell yeah. All right, let's do this. Where did the fairy Navi from Ocarina of Time get her name?
1: Hmm. <laughs> A real puzzler.
0: What are the Navigate, options? novel, Navy, or North American Vampire Incorporated?
1: I think definitely the first one. <laughs> oh, I actually meant to say the fourth one minus three to bring us back <laughs> to the first
0: one. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Navigate. Yeah. So th- that was a question I got from Nintendo's website itself. And I said, wow, these are way too easy. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> but I thought that was funny because it had North American Vampire Incorporated. So uh, I thought I'd put that one in there. But cool. Good first question to start it out, but now it gets tougher. Which of the following games did Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto not design? Donkey Kong, Kid Icarus. Excitebike, or The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time?
1: Which Donkey Kong are we talking about? Uh, It just says Donkey Kong. <laughs> well, hmm. Oh, man. I actually don't know. I'm going to say Kid Icarus. Dude, you got it right. Yay. <laughs> yeah, because I think uh, Sakurai designed that game, right? yeah. Anyway, on to the next question. What is the
0: first game with Princess Zelda as a playable character? Zelda Wand of Gamelon? Link to the Past? Super Smash Bros. Melee? Or Zelda 2?
1: Um, sh- I'm going to be mad if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Melee. Oh, oh fuck it's me.
0: actually <laughs> Zelda Wand of Gamelon. I just wonder what Ganon's up to. <laughs> I just wonder
1: why Zelda's playable. <laughs> yeah, close, man, close. I didn't even know that there were like playable characters in that game. I thought it was kind of like a choose-your-and-adventure sort of deal. No, it was,
0: yeah, I guess there was. Um, apparently Zelda's a playable character, but...
1: Um, that game doesn't I... count. <laughs> like, literally, it's not in the Zelda canon. It's not like in Hyrule Historia or anything. <laughs> You're not you're not wrong, but
0: um, damn it! <laughs> so super so they had as these choices they had Super Smash Bros Melee and Super Smash Bros Brawl. But us being Smash players, I was like, well, he's obviously not going to choose one of those, which would be <laughs> Brawl. So I just put, I put Zelda two in there.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting!
0: It kind of threw you off there. All right, so on to the next one. I fucking
1: knew it was going to be Yeah.
0: <laughs> I said that wrong, didn't I? Gamelon, whatever. Chameleon. Chameleon. <laughs> anyway, what is the best-selling Nintendo handheld console of all time? The Game Boy? The Game Boy Advance? The Nintendo DS? Or the Nintendo
1: 3DS? Ooh, Oh, my God, I actually don't know. Um, I'm going to say the Game Boy, period. Final answer. Yes.
0: You're wrong. It's the oh. Nintendo DS. Um, by the way, I was doing uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire right there. I don't yeah. know if
1: anybody knew. I caught that. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, I I thought it might be the NDS because I know that um, that the Wii I think has been their best-selling console to date, and so I thought it might be kind of like something piggybacking on that. If that makes any sense. Um, right. But damn. Yeah.
0: It's weird. Anyway. Um, so our final question.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this is a good one. Um, it says, Which Nintendo 64 game caused enough injuries in children to result in a $80 million settlement? Um, so the first suggestion, you're going to like this, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, <laughs> uh, Super Smash Bros., uh, Mario Kart sixty four or Mario Party,
1: a game that caused enough injuries mm-hmm. and children to result in an eighty million dollars settlement. See before you before you said the question or before you said the choices, I thought this was going in like seizures direction, like that one Pokemon mm-hmm. episode. I wasn't expecting it to be like bad influences or anything like that because that's what it's getting at, right? Like, oh my kid played Smash Brothers and now he hits everyone. Like, I, I guess that's what it's getting at here. Right. Just injuries in general. I forgot
0: the specifics of what specific injuries they were, but it just basically which game caused an $80 million lawsuit because of injuries to children.
1: I really have no idea, but I'm going to say Mario Kart 64. Is that your final answer? Yeah. It's Mario Party.
0: (laughs) I don't know how. I should have actually looked up how. I need to do a better job of that in the next Next time I potentially do this segment. But, yeah, apparently Mario Party uh, caused a bunch of injuries to children that result in an $80 million settlement for Nintendo. Isn't that crazy?
1: I mean, I guess it had to be from kids getting in arguments or something, right?
0: Right. Throwing controllers or maybe even, like, mashing it. There might be in a mini game that was ridiculous or something. I don't know. For our fact-checkers out there, please uh, let us know.
1: <laughs> yeah. We haven't called on you enough this episode, so... Earn your yeah. now, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for our news segment that we got going here. I hope you enjoyed that one. That was I did. Was it inspired by furnace fun? No, no. It just I said I gotta look up these new news. I hate saying that, but um, and I couldn't really find anything that was new. Uh, like it's all a lot of video game news is like up and coming, or it takes a long time to kind of. Uh come up so i was just like you know what i could just do trivia and that might be pretty cool and people might want to hear and be like oh no it's this one and they as (laughs) they're listening along
1: so i don't know but yeah i thought it was cool yeah and i enjoyed it uh it just needs a cool name though that's the only thing
0: yeah i couldn't think of one before we did this but uh tweet at us if you have a suggested name for this segment or i'll eventually come up with one
1: yeah so uh well, cool. That was a blast and a half, I will say. <laughs> and a half. Um, I think we're we're
0: at the end of the episode, man. And we actually are cutting it quite early today. Uh, this
1: is about average, I yeah. would say. You, you, you say two hours, but usually it's like an hour and a half or so. Um, but right. yeah, that's wrapping it up for us. Uh, I guess we have our usual plugs to do. I will do the honors, at least to start with. Uh, social media, we have it. Go find it. <laughs> uh, tw- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, on Twitter we are the IG underscore cast. Uh, rather, I will say Kevin is the IG underscore cast. Um, Kevin, if you want to like, tweet at Grant Kirkhope, see if we can get him to guest on the show. Um, I mean, I could, I could call him, obviously, but I feel like Twitter is kind of a more you know, transparent way of going about these things.
0: Right, naturally.
1: Yeah. Email us at theinterstategamers at gmail.com. Uh, theinterstategamers is also our Facebook page. You can listen to us on Spotify, you can listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, yeah, Google Play. I've actually had a couple people interested in listening via YouTube, which I wasn't really expecting, but uh, apparently that's something that has some sort of demand somewhere. If you want us to be on YouTube, tell us, and uh, the more people that tell us, the more likely we are to take all the time out of our days to go do that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let us know what you want, because uh, we, everything we do is for the people. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better
0: myself, man. I think that's a good, good little closeout. Um, I got nothing. Uh, did you mention our ratings? Not besides sneaking it into the podcast itself. Okay, yeah, definitely go check out our ratings for each game. We're at our ninth game now, which we didn't mention uh, where this ranks. Um, so let's let's go do that. So tiny URL. I'm going to type the type this in as I say it. Dot com slash ig ratings. Um, so. It looks like Banjo will place ooh just under Star Fox 64 which is ranked 3rd out of our overall games. So 3 and 9, not too bad.
1: What's ranked above Star Fox 64?
0: Super Mario World. Oh yeah. You gave that a perfect 100. <laughs>
1: so it's kind of hard to beat that. <laughs> yeah, back back in the back in the less fine days.
0: Yeah. Definitely go check out our ratings there, and you can see the uh, specific breakdown of everything. Uh, It's really nifty.
1: Yeah. Once again, I want to plug our homeboy, our good buddy, Zlink093, a.k.a. Zlink Gaming, a.k.a. Chris, who really is putting in a lot of work to his YouTube channel and his streams, especially the YouTube channel. As of late, he's been doing some good stuff. Uh, If you want a relaxing uh, Let's Play to listen to, are a relaxing stream to watch he's definitely your guy so go ahead and give him a look if you're interested cool well I think that about does it for us Peter yeah um yeah it sure does (laughs) alright well uh I guess uh we'll
0: sign off then
1: (laughs) how do I I end this (laughs) I don't know just just tell him we're leaving just leave bye
0: All right, see you later, guys.